Uh, I'm not sure if there is anything that excites me, makes me happy, than knowing that I'm a child of God. I mean, it is such an honor, a great privilege to be called sons and daughters of the Most High God, the God that created the entire universe. Amen? And I do not know if there is any preacher, pastor, prophet, evangelist, whatever name, that could actually convince you, preach enough messages to tell you that your father is not your father. And in like manner, I don't see how anyone will be able to convince, preach enough messages to tell you your father is your father. I think it is on you to actually believe your father is your father. And you are the only one that can convince anyone that your father is your father and that nothing can change it. And I think that will be Something that every one of us will need to ponder over to not see God as being mythical, to understand what it means to actually be sons and daughters of God, and to be proud of it and to walk like it. If there is anything I want you to remember today after our conversation, it will be that. And um, it would have been nice if we just said the grace and go home. And I think we already had church. Amen? So this morning, I'm, good, I'm just going to share very briefly with us. And uh, if you care about title, call it, you know. Let's use the scriptural word, reflecting the nature of God, manifesting the nature of God, whatever you want to call it. Reflecting the nature of God, I think is good because that's the way the Bible puts it. As a child of God. Amen? There was something that stuck with me during the election that uh, somebody said, it, it, it would not be, it may not mean it might not mean much to you, but I think during the election when the nomination was still going on in the Republican um, side of the house, someone made a reference to the Alaskan governor, Sarah Palin. And they used the word, she's acting dumb. And the person was saying she's a very smart lady, but she's acting dumb. And, you know, what I took away from that was that sometimes we act differently from who we are. You know, it struck a tone with me, and I always remember it. You know, so it's because every time I'm acting or I'm behaving, I'm having a conversation or relationship or interaction, it's always, it's, I don't know why the Holy Spirit used that to always remind me, don't act dumb. 
Don't act contrary to who you are. Amen? So, this morning, quickly, I just want to share with us an epiphany that is going to show us how to reflect the nature of God, our Father. Amen? And there are several scriptures that I wanted to read that started with Brother Landry, already read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. And I was about to, I already have Romans chapter 8 open, and then Lee came up and then opened it. <laughs> Amen. And so, um, fear has been taken care of by God's grace. And if there's anyone that is still entertaining that, please don't act dumb. Do not act dumb. You cannot be a child of the most high God and then entertain fear. That's acting dumb. All the hosts of heaven, they don't sleep just watching over you. He that keepeth Israel neither sleep nor slumber. So to leave this service today and entertain fear will be acting dumb. Amen? And use that as an encouraging word to your friends, your colleagues. If they are sons and daughters of God, they have no place for fear. Because the almighty God is watching over you. Amen? Now, I still want to read Romans chapter 8. And I want to point something out also. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many of us may be attempting to act dumb, quote unquote, entertaining fear. I read from verse, let's see, let's start from verse 9. I'm going to be very fast. And I hope um, you'll be able to follow quickly. Romans chapter 8. Let's start from verse 9. But if God himself has taken up, uh, message version, thank you. But if God himself has taken up residency in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him anymore. Anyone, of course, who has now welcomed this invisible but clearly present God the spirit of Christ won't know what we are talking about. But for you who welcome him in whom he dwells, even though you still experience, I want you to pay attention to this because this is what the devil is using to create fear. For, but for you who welcome him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. 
this limitation that you experience is what the enemy is using as a surreptitious means to coin you in believing you are not a child of God or to coin you in believing that he can still do something with you, toy with you, do whatever, and then you entertain that fear. Hallelujah. As long as you have received him and welcomed him into your life, even though there is still limitations, God is saying you live and experience life on God's terms, not on Satan's terms, not on anybody else's term, on God's terms. Hallelujah. Is anyone listening to me? It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves into your life, he will do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus. Is that not logical? Bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus. You are delivered from that dead life. With a spirit living in you, your body will, as, will be as alive as Christ. Pay attention to the next verse. God knew what he was doing from the very beginning. He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of his son. Isn't that amazing? The son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. In who? In Jesus. After God made that decision to shape our lives in line with Jesus' life, after God made that decision of what his children should look, should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. It was predestined, predone. Done deal. He now followed it up by calling individual into that which he has already done. Hallelujah. Now. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. I mean, I don't know if you're following. God, having called us, we never abandon us. It, it wasn't in his plan. So as long as you are in him, he's with you to the very end. Verse 31. So what do you think? God wants us to think. With God on our side like this, how can we lose? 
if God did not hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who will dare tangle with God by messing with one of God's chosen? Who would dare even to point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us? Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? Please pay attention. There is no way. There is no trouble. Not hard times. Not hatred. Not hunger. Not homelessness. Not bullying threats. Not backstabbing. Not even the worst sin listed in the scripture. Can wait a wedge between us and Christ's love. Can you pay attention to that? Why then would the devil still be messing around with us and we will entertain it? We are acting dumb if we do. Because that's all he does. Pointing accusing fingers. Not even the worst sin written in the scripture can wed a wedge between the love of Christ and us. Religious fanatics have problem with this. They want to expunge it from the scripture. Because, oh yeah, you want everybody to be sinning now? Hello? Have you not read the scripture? Let me read it. He said, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. Message version says, as far as competition between sin and grace is concerned, grace always wins. Why in the world will I then entertain fear? Because devil is pointing an accusing finger. That's acting dumb. Let's get back on track to today's message. Because that was just along the way. Let's go back. This is part of it. Manifesting the nature of God. Did we ever see God afraid of Satan? Was Jesus ever afraid of Satan? Then why would I entertain that kind of fear? Hallelujah. I want us to hold on to that. Because as long as we are persuaded and convinced of his love, that there is nothing on earth that can wed a wedge between us and his love, we have boldness to face every situation. 
our attitude towards every situation changes. The way we embrace situation changes. And that's why you see people like the apostle will be thrown in jail and they will be celebrating and be having champagne if someone can offer them champagne. In the prison, singing praises. The most difficult aspect of our Christian race is worshiping God when we are in trouble. And every time we understand, if we can learn to understand that, that there is nothing on earth that can weigh the wedge between us and the love of Christ, then every situation we find ourselves in, we know it is an occasion for celebration. We begin to celebrate and begin to worship him. And we put the host of the kingdom of darkness into total confusion. Hallelujah. So much digression, but I think it's good. It's a good digression. I want to go back to reflecting the nature of God, and I want to read in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. That we're very familiar with Genesis chapter 1, from verse 26. God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible. Say responsible. So that they may be responsible for the fish in the sea, the birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, earth itself. And every animal that moves on the face of earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like. Reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female. God blessed them. Prosper. Reproduce. Fill earth. Take charge. Be responsible for fish in the sea and birds in the earth. For every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Do you know that God has not changed his mind about this? That was his original plan, and it has not changed. But I want you to pay attention again and see what God did. God had a global conference in heaven. And in that conference, he threw this idea around between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He said, let us make man. And let us make man in our image, in our likeness. That was the idea God threw on the table. And they deliberated, they discussed, and they agreed. And God said, by the way, we make sure that they reflect our image. So every time anyone sees them or sees them on earth, they will see us. They will reflect our image. Well, there was an agreement on that too. No objection. And while they are on that conversation, God said, 
By the way, the purpose and the reason why I want to do this is that I want them to be in charge of the earth. I want them to be responsible for the earth. And God, the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit agreed. He said, okay, fine, yeah, why not? And God went to work, and he did exactly that. That's what the scripture says. And, it says, and God created. After that deliberation, he did exactly what they agreed on. He created human beings in his likeness, in his image, and he makes sure that the DNA, deoxyribonucleic acid, for those of us who don't know what that means, he ensures that the DNA that is in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is also in human being he has created. He made sure of that. You can read in Genesis chapter 5. It was repeated over and over just to make sure in case if anyone is in doubt that the DNA of God is in the human being he created. Hallelujah. Are you with me so far? And I'm telling you today, it has not changed. If you know anything about DNA, it doesn't change. It's permanent. It does not change. So, in the process of time, because of human time, God started to manifest what he had done. Keep in mind, God finishes a thing before he began. Okay? Before God, begin, before God begins anything, he will have completed it. Okay? So he has finished everything he wants to do by that conversation. Then Adam was created exactly the way God wants it. Looking good, smelling good, looking nice with the DNA of God. And God placed Adam in the garden to begin the work on earth. So there was an interruption of sin. You know the story. Sin did not change all this. No, it only interrupted the progress of the project. The project continues after sin. The plan did not change. The DNA did not change. Nothing changed other than the fact that there was a little delay. Hallelujah. So during Adam, the whole purpose was for human beings to represent God on earth and manifest the image and the nature of God. You remember the story of Noah? Sin came, God didn't like what he was saying, he wiped away the entire world. He said, I'm going to start again afresh. And he started with Noah. And if you go back to the book of, to the book of Genesis, let's quickly read that. So, Adam's dispensation was done away with, and God continues his program. Um, in, I think we could just use chapter 
Genesis chapter 9, let's do that quickly. So God wiped away the entire world according to the scripture by sending flood. Remember the story? I don't want to bore you with what you already knew. So he wiped away the entire world. The only thing left were those things that were in the ark with Noah. Noah, the three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and then their wives. And the animals, birds, and everything that God has Adam to put in the ark. So God decided to start all over with Noah. Let's read. Again, keep in mind the purpose, the global conference, the purpose. Let them reflect the nature of God and let them be responsible for the earth. They are the ambassador from heaven, human being, we. Hallelujah. But look at Genesis chapter 9. Let me point that quickly. God blessed Noah and his sons. He said, prosper, reproduce, fill the earth. Every living creature, birds, animal, fish, we fall under your spell and be afraid of you. Did you take note of that? So why is the reverse happening? Acting. You are responsible for them. This is where the God deciding to partner with human beings. It's never going to change. It was a choice he made from the beginning and he continues to do that. Now he is giving that responsibility he gave from the beginning to Adam. Now he is giving it to Noah because they are the only people left. So now you are responsible for the earth. Are you with me so far? Okay. Then, let's just jump. Verse 6. Whoever shed... Well, it's good to read all these. All living creatures are yours for food just as I gave you the plants. Now I give you everything else except for meat with its lifeblood. Still, still in it, don't eat that. God is always giving some instruction. But your own lifeblood, just please pay, take, take, pay, pay, pay attention. The first thing was, every of these things will be afraid of you. Now, look at the second thing God said. Your own lifeblood, I will avenge. I will avenge it against both animal and other humans if anyone should touch you. Can you see that? The same covenant, because he's a covenant-keeping God. Whoever sheds human blood by humans, let his blood be shed. This was before Moses' law came to, to be. Because God made humans in his image, reflecting God's very DNA, very nature. Now pay attention to this. You are here to bear fruit, reproduce, lavish life on the earth, live bountifully. 
I mean, why would anyone not fall in love with this kind of God? This was in Noah's generation. See what God had in plan. He said, you are here on earth to reproduce, to be fruitful, to lavish life on the earth because you are responsible. You are in charge. And to live bountifully. Today, people don't want us to live bountifully. Oh, it's too, it's too worldly to live bountifully. It's not in God's agenda. I mean, what does that mean? God wants us to live really good. Smell good. Dress good. I mean, walk with style. Okay? Swagger. God don't want you to bow your head. It has never been in his plan. It is not piety. It is poverty. It is not. God wants us to swagger. It's the scriptures. The reverse does not make you religious or look good to God. It is lack of understanding. How will you be in charge if you cannot swagger? How will you be in charge if you are not rich? How will you be in charge, for example, in Hollywood, if you can't sing like angels? God meant it when he said he wants us to be number one. He wants us to be the best. It was the design from onset. And not doing so is acting dumb. Hallelujah. Today, a lot of Christians, under the pretense of the Holy Ghost, you can't look at their faces. So strong, no smile, nothing. It is not piety. No. What God created is a smiling face. A face with a stagger. A face that people see, you walk into the office and everyone is wondering, Look at that. Look at that handsome boy. That's what God created. What are you talking about? Why? Because you are the son of the living God. It is the scripture. For whatever reason, several preacher, pastor, apostle, evangelists, and even ourselves, we've been acting the opposite. We do exactly the opposite of all that God planned. Hallelujah. 
reflecting the nature of God. I feel hard about sometimes when they describe how God enters into a place. When God enters into an assembly, there will be some drum rolls, angels with trumpets, some sounds. I mean, everyone knows that something different is here. Do you think he thinks differently about us? When he says that, let them reflect our nature. What do you think he was saying? So that whenever we enter anywhere, there is a change in the atmosphere. Why? Because I am the aroma of Jesus. And I enter, and there's a change in atmosphere. The religious has taught us wrong. Hallelujah. Now, fast forward to the dispensation of Christ. Because this same dispensation messed up big time. Right? They did not get it right. But that did not change God's mind. Because DNA don't change. The plan will not change. God sent Jesus, his son. Again. Maybe this time around, maybe they will get it. Did you remember when Jesus said, John the Baptist came without eating, fasting all the time, wearing some rags, some clothes that are not befitting, and they said, oh, they have mockery of him. He said, the son of man came eating and dining and whining and popping champagne. And now they said, behold, a glutton. Was he not in your Bible? The son of man came eating, whining, dining. And they said, behold, a glutton has come. Why? Because God in his original plan wants us to set the pace for the earth. His desire was for us to reflect his nature. But we just cover so many things with some religious dexterity that really does not get any applaud in heaven. Because until we're in church, there is no applaud in heaven. And being in church is not like the word is doing it. No. It is that partner relationship where you take responsibility over the earth that God has put you in. You take responsibility. You know that I'm in charge. If anything is going wrong here, I'm in charge. I need to fix it. I need to polish it. I need to embellish it. When God plants me in a church, I'm responsible for polishing it for embellishing it, for keeping it. When God plant me in a job, I'm responsible there to polish it, to embellish it, to make it beautiful so that God's image can be seen. Amen? Amen. So in the dispensation of Christ, as we have read earlier on, 
in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible said, if I just jumped, Ephesians chapter 2 from verse 7, now God has us where he wants us. With all the time in this world and the next to shower grace and kindness upon us in Christ Jesus, saving is all his idea and all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It is God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role. We're partners. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we've done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves, and we don't make nor save anyone. We partner with God to do that. God does both the making and the saving. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he had gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better be doing, amen? Okay, so the dispensation of Christ was also designed according to the original pattern. It was designed just in the exact same way God designed the first dispensation, which is the dispensation of Adam. The second dispensation, which is that of Noah, was the same thing. God has not changed his mind about us reflecting his image in the earth. Being the representative, being the ambassador, being the one in charge, he has not changed his mind. Because DNA don't change. Just like the Bible said, it's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His plan stands. We're supposed to read Matthew chapter 5, but there's no time. We can't do that. I'm just going to go to the last verse. Matthew chapter 5, we pick it up on Wednesday and just whatever we're able to touch on. But I want you to read it from the beginning in message translation. You can go back to your King James after that. But just read it from the beginning in message translation. And I want to read verse 48 to you. Reflecting the nature of God. The nature that is already in you. It is not going to, God is not going to recreate it. It's already there. Manifesting it is all that you need. When God began from the beginning of creation, those words we just read in Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image after our likeness, it's a done deal. He was done. Right? Then let them reflect, reflecting our nature. It was done. Right? And then God went ahead to bless man, to prosper to reproduce, to fill the earth and to be in charge. Every word that comes out of the mouth of God, as soon as it's landing, is a done deal. Manifesting it is what we have not seen. And this is just an usher into that. We've been talking about workplace ministry, how we go to our work and do these things. I'm just going to, this last verse will help us. Because there are so many things about the nature of God, all the book in the world cannot contain it. Okay? 
You know, there's no way we can really say one to three, one to ten. One. No, there's no such thing. That's why he sent Jesus. The whole package. Looking at him, then you got it. Hallelujah. But here is the deal. In order to be responsible for the earth, which is the last phase of the order of creation, the first order was created in his image. The second was reflecting his image. And the third was the blessing. Prosper, reproduce, fill the earth. Be in charge. The last order of creation, which is the fourth one, was to be responsible. Be responsible for the earth. And this is what God wants us to learn. In the first inaugural message of Jesus Christ, the first inaugural message in Matthew chapter 5, what we normally refer to as be attitude. That's why I want us to read it. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will minister into our heart. Just pay attention line by line. Don't rush. And let God minister to you. But I want to read the last verse. After everything he said, he said, in a word, Matthew 5, 48, what I am saying is, grow up. Tell your neighbor, grow up. You are kingdom subjects. This is Jesus talking here. Now, live like it. Same thing. You are kingdom subject. Live like it. Don't act dumb. Don't live the opposite. No. Live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others. The way God lives toward you. If you make this the principle of your life, I guarantee you the Holy Spirit will be by your side every second. In his, with his swagger. It is the word of God. He said, leave just two things. Generously and graciously towards other people. In the church, at home, in the place of work, at school, Wherever you go, the DNA of God is in you. He said, the way God lives towards you. So you have a marker. You have a litmus test. You don't have to gamble. You don't have to guess. No, 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 no. In living generously towards others and graciously towards others, God didn't want me to wait for a preacher, a pastor, an evangelist. No, 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 no. He said, the way God is living towards you. So that means I don't need anything to be able to do this. 
All I need to, how is God living with me? How is God living towards me? You don't need a preacher, a pastor, or anyone. All we do when we come to church is to celebrate. That's all we're supposed to do. Encourage one another and celebrate. But as far as living out your DNA, this caps it for us. Be generous with your life. And be gracious towards others. The way God lives towards So you have a mirror inside, I mean in front of you every day. You're dealing with your wife. You're dealing with your husband. Every day you're dealing with your child. Every day you're dealing with your, your co-workers. Every day you're dealing with a pastor, a preacher, a brother in church. God is saying, just look at me the way I live towards you and just do the same thing. This is not rocket science. This is very easy to do. Just look towards me. The way I live towards you and live to the other person like that. Do the same. Do you know that's what Jesus was referring to? He said, what I see my father do is all I do. If we cannot focus on God and live towards others the way he lives towards us. We're acting dumb. Time will not pass Mimi and I think we're going to use the, the prayer time to pray this. I don't know how to I think we, we touched on this on Wednesday, but um, again, we've read this scripture again today, and if we go back, you see where it says in, uh, in Matthew chapter 5, and I think I would just read that one because we're going to pray right now. Matthew chapter 5, in verse number Okay, let's read verse number 13. And let's rise as we want to pray with this now. Let's rise. Reflecting the nature of God. Because there are so many messages we, we've had, so many, so many sermons, so many. Jesus was sent in person to come help us to manifest and to reflect the nature of God. How do I do it, God? You see, when a baby is born, a child, remember when Abigail, many of you have grown ups, my first experience was Abigail, right? When she was born, you know, she fits into the palm of my hand. Everything she needs in life was already in there. Now she's walking, now she's talking. Three years ago, she could just see in the palm of my hand. It's the same thing with us. Why do you think it's different? Everything we need for life and godliness is already in us. It's already in there. Manifesting it, reflecting it is all we need. I guarantee you, 
It does not happen by automation. You can pray from now till Jesus come, nothing will change if you don't practice it. It is by constant practice. You see, every of the time when someone steps on your toes and you, you throw a stone, that's your schoolmaster. That was supposed to be a time to practice. But we miss it every time. And we're looking at the one that steps on us rather than looking at the lesson that God wants you to, to, to learn. God is trying to perfect you in maturing, in reflecting his nature. But what do we do? We spark up. Because we're looking at the person. He said, look at me the way I live towards you. Once you take your eyes off of him, and you look at that person, you're going to miss it big time. And that's how we'll be missing it big time. But look at what he says here. Let me tell you why you are here. And this is again God or Jesus saying, you are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltness. How will people taste godliness? Are you paying attention? If you lose your saltiness, the consequence is that no one around you will taste godliness. You've lost your usefulness. And we end up in the garbage. Now I want you to think about that because that's what we want to pray now. God said, Jesus, again, for emphasis, that God created us in his likeness, in his image to reflect his image on earth. We are the sweetness, the seasoning, that the earth needs. And he's saying, if I lost my sweetness, my seasoning ability, if I lose it, God is asking you this question today. How will anyone in your office taste godliness? How will anyone in your home taste godliness when you have lost your saltiness? Because you are the sweetness that God has sent to this earth so that you can cause sweetness in the earth of, in the earth of everyone you have contact with. God says, when you lose that ability to be sweet, to somebody, how can that person taste godliness? God will become sour in their mouth as a result of your unsaltiness. God is not putting a git on us. No, 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 no. I mean, why would anyone not love to be sweet? God deliberately made us the sweetness of the earth. If you are not in a party, it's not going to be, it's just not going to be sweet. If you can take it literally that way. That's what God is saying. 
If a party is going on in your office and you are not yet there, there's no sweetness. See, religion. When Jesus was not in that wedding, it was not sweet. The wine sucks. As soon as Jesus was in there, everything changed. When they tasted that wine, they said, oh my God, where did this wine came from? You are not in a party. The party will not be sweet. That's what God said. Religion will not allow us to understand. We say, oh, he's talking about party. It's just an example. If you are not in a place, God is saying, I depend on you to bring sweetness to everywhere in the earth. So wherever I go, they begin to experience sweetness. But do you recognize that that is the greatest travesty that has happened to Christianity? Not being sweet. People, you walk into, into the dining room and people pack their food and they walk out. Oh, yeah. Because they don't want to deal with your weirdness. You walk into the dining room where people are eating and having a nice time. And all you want to do is preach scriptures. Yeah, I know somebody is going to hate me for that now. That's not the place to preach. No, 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 no. That's the place to have live bountifully. To have nice time. And after you have created the camaraderie, guess what? God is going to open a time when you can now have a war. That because we are so reversed in our thinking, you walk into a dining where everybody is having a nice time and you are quoting Isaiah, uh, Sissy, they have no clue what you are saying. The Bible already said an unspiritual man can never understand the things of God. Then why are you preaching in a dining room to unbelievers? It is the reverse spirit. God wants you to be sweet. Die, make friend. Have nice time. Talk about football. Talk about soccer. And God will create the opportunity to save. You carry the load of God on your neck. You are not the savior. I'm sorry to break it to you. You are not the savior. You don't save no person. Manifesting, reflecting the nature of God. When we are sweet and we add sweetness to every occasion, to every team, to every group, they come to us to ask for the scripture. Yes. The door we open. Why? You're doing what your father 
asks you to do. Will you talk to God? Have you lost your sweetness in the name of piety? Have you lost your sweetness wherein you are no longer sweet to people because you think that's religion is being pious at home when it is time for husband and wife to enjoy you say I'm fasting really you fasting again again You've lost the sweetness. <laughs> Am I talking? You don't fool God. There are 24 hours in a day. Why will it be the time of sweetness that you have to pray or you have to fast? Is God going to be mad if you defy that prayer? And don't miss the sweet opportunity and moment. I am tired of religious bigotry that does not add any piety to our life. God said we are the sweetness of the earth. If we look at him, just imagine, imagine God when you want to have nice time with God, imagine God saying, you know what, I, um, I need to pray. <laughs> when it is time for your wedding, your wedding is, is not sweet and you just need God to bring some sweetness into your wedding and you, God say, you know what, uh, let's talk about this later because it's, it's, it's the time of prayer now. He said, the way I live towards you. That's the way I want you to live towards others. Will you talk to God? Have you lost the sweetness? Are you sweet? Are you manifesting the nature of God? God is sweet. Talk to God. Talk to God. God is here to do something this hour. To restore our sweetness. To restore our graciousness so that we can live graciously towards people around us. So that we can live sweetly towards people around us. Lord, as we go out this week, we are kingdom subjects. And you said we are here to bring sweetness to this earth. I prophesy unto every man and unto every woman here today, hearing me, that wherever we go moving forward, the Holy Spirit will bring into our consciousness that you have created us with your DNA. You have created us, Lord, 
with your likeness and your image. And the ability to reflect your nature is in us. And you said, according to the word of Jesus, that we are the seasoning wherever we go. We are the salt and the seasoning everywhere we go, beginning from our home. Right now, Lord, as we go this week, we want that seasoning to manifest. Wherever we go, it beginning from our home. When we are home, we want sweetness, the aroma of Jesus, the fragrance of your sweetness to fill our homes. When we go out to the marketplace, we want to manifest that fragrance of sweetness. We want to be conscious of it. We know we have to practice. It's not going to be by automation. We want you to remind us constantly so that we know we are the sweetness of the earth. When someone steps on us, when we are being persecuted, when people are talking and backbiting and they use us despisefully, you said we should respond with the energy of prayer to live graciously and to live generously towards other people. We are not ignorant that this will not be by automation. We know we have to practice. We may miss it, but Lord, we're going to constantly practice. We're going to stick with you so that we get it right. And we ask that your spirit divine go with us everywhere we go to live and reflect your nature by living generously and by living graciously towards others. Yes, we pray in Jesus' name.